Hello there. My name is Father John Harrison. I am Rector Superior of St. John Newman Residence at Stella Maris in Timonium, Maryland. We've already seen that part of the aim of the writer of the fourth gospel is to ensure that John the Baptist received his proper place as the forerunner of Jesus. We see this in today's gospel. There were those who were still ready to call John Master and Lord. The writer of the fourth gospel wishes to show that John had a high place, but that the highest place was reserved for Jesus alone. And he also wishes to show that John himself had never any other idea that Jesus was supreme. To that end, he shows us the ministry of John and the ministry of Jesus overlapping. The Synoptic Gospels are different. Matthew 1 tells us that it is after John was put into prison that Jesus began his ministry. We need not argue that account is historically correct, but the likelihood is that the fourth gospel makes the two ministries overlap so that by contrast the supremacy of Jesus may be clearly shown. One thing is certain. This passage shows us the loveliness of the humility of John the Baptist. It was clear that men were leaving John for Jesus. John's disciples were worried. They did not like to see their master take second place. They did not like to see him abandoned while the crowds flocked out to hear and see this new teacher. In answer to their complaints, it would have been very easy for John to feel injured, neglected, and unjustifiably forgotten. Sometimes a friend's sympathy can be the worst possible thing for us. It can make us feel sorry for ourselves and encourage us to think that we have not had a fair deal. But John had a mind above that. He told his disciples three things. First, he told them that he never expected anything else. He told them that in point of fact, he had assured them that his was not the leading place, but that he was merely sent as the herald, the forerunner, and the preparer for the greater one to come. It would ease life a great deal if more people were prepared to play a, a subordinate role. So many people look for great things to do. John was not like that. He knew well that God had given him a subordinate task. It would save us a lot of resentment and heartbreak if we realized that there are certain things which are not for us, and if we accepted with all our hearts and did all our might the work that God has given us to do. To do a secondary task for God makes it a great task. And Mrs. Browning had it, all service ranks the same with God. Any task done for God is necessarily great. Second, John told them that no man could receive more than God had given him. If the new teacher was winning more followers, it was not because he was stealing them from John, but because God was giving them to him. There was a certain American minister called Dr. Spence, once he was popular and his church was full, but as the years passed, his people drifted away. 
To the church across the road came a young new minister who was attracting the crowds. One evening in Dr. Spence's church there was a very small gathering. The doctor looked at the little flock. Where have all the people gone? he asked. There was an embarrassed silence. Then one of his office bearers said, I think they have gone to the church across the street to hear the new minister. Dr. Spence was silent for a moment. Then he smiled. Well then, he said, I think we ought to follow them. And he descended from the pulpit and led his people across the road. What jealousies, what heartburnings, what resentfulness we might escape if we would only remember that someone else's success is given to him by God and we are prepared to accept God's verdict and God's choice. Third, finally, John used a very vivid picture which every Jew would recognize, for it was part of the heritage of Jewish thought. He thought Jesus the bridegroom and himself the friend of the bridegroom. One of the great pictures of the Old Testament is of Israel as the bride of God, and God is the bridegroom of Israel. The union between God and Israel was so close that it could be likened only to a wedding. When Israel went after strange gods, it was as if she was guilty of infidelity to the marriage bond. The New Testament took this picture over and spoke of the church as the bride of Christ. It was this picture that was in John's mind. Jesus had come from God, he was the Son of God, Israel was his rightful bride, and he was the Israel's bridegroom. But one place John did claim for himself, and that was of the friend of the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, the Shoshbend, had a unique place at a Jewish wedding. He acted as liaison between the bride and the bridegroom. He arranged the wedding, he took out the invitations, he presided at the wedding feast. He brought the bride and groom together. He had one special duty. It was his duty to guard the bridal chamber and to let no false lover in. He would only open the door when in the dark he heard the bridegroom's voice and recognized it. When he heard the bridegroom's voice, he let him in and went away rejoicing, for his task was completed and the lovers were together. He did not grudge the bridegroom the bride. He knew that his only task had been to bring bride and bridegroom together. And when that task was done, he willingly and gladly faded out of the center of the picture. John's task had been to bring Israel and Jesus together to arrange the marriage between Christ the Bridegroom and Israel the Bride. That task completed, he was happy to fade into obscurity, for his work was done. It was not with envy that he said that Jesus must increase and he must decrease. It was with joy. It may be that sometimes we would do well to remember that it is not to ourselves that we must try to attach people. It is to Jesus Christ. It is not for ourselves we seek the loyalty of men. It is for him, Jesus, our Lord. This is our thought for today. May God bless you and have a wonderful day.